Welcome to the GDL Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Warner. We're really excited about our guest today and the perspective and advice for folks going through similar circumstances that they will be able to provide. Before we dive into their story, please hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to our channel. That helps tell YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and the rest of our platforms to promote our content to people who would greatly benefit. Also, if you have an idea for a future episode, just want to say hi, please feel free to comment as well. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Welcome to episode number seven. Our guests today have an amazing story to share that we feel will benefit a lot of families that may be going through something similar or by just providing some perspective. Their son was diagnosed at 16 months with spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA for short, a degenerative neurological disease, and depending on the type of SMA, had a decreased life expectancy. As fate would have it, a treatment was approved by the FDA the same week that he was born. They have since dedicated a significant portion of their lives to fighting this disease. Jackie and Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited that you guys are here and can't wait to to hear more about your journey. But before we dive in, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourselves? Sam, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my name is Sam Lackey. Uh, Jack and I have been together. We married um, uh, in our about seven years ago, um, and we have two children: Abram, who is uh, three and a half years old, and our uh, youngest, Bennett, uh, who's uh, a little over a year. And um, we met at work at a company called uh, Interactive Achievement, and we since have moved to a company called Qualtrics, where I'm the customer support manager. And uh, yeah, that's our life. Makes it sound like we just work together all the time, which is not true. But, um, so I'm Jackie Lackey. Uh, yes, my name rhymes, so it will never be forgotten. Um, but like Sam was saying, uh, we met at work uh, about 10 years ago, have been married for almost seven, um, and have two wonderful little boys. Uh, Abram, that we'll be talking a lot about today, is the one that has spinal muscular atrophy. Um, and then Bennett was born unaffected. And so uh, we didn't, there are precautions or not precautions, interventions you can take um, to try to not have that gene as a part of the birth, but we um, had him as naturally as you can uh, and ended up being non affected. So. Okay, great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. Well, and before we dive further in, can you guys explain to folks that may not be familiar what SMA is? Sure. So um, when when we first found out what was happening with Abram, we had never heard about SMA. And so um, there's a great organization out there called Cure SMA that gives a lot of um, information about uh, the disease, about treatments, about, um, they, they're really good at connecting families, uh, but one in 50 people are a carrier of this genetic disorder, um, which a lot of parents that we've talked to said we'd never, never heard of it before our child was diagnosed. Um, so it's about one in 11,000 births. And then throughout the United States, um, parents mainly have been pushing to have it added to the newborn screening because early detection of the disease is so important because you can now get treatments. There's now gene therapy that you can have for your child within days of their birth uh, that can end up having them go through life asymptomatic. And and so it's really good. Virginia is on the list um, in, they're in the uh, approval stage, but they're not yet uh, have it added to the newborn screening. Sam, what do you want to add there? 
just, you know, w- and what's going on uh, w- with Abram and his genes is um, at, for individuals that have SMA, there is a protein called SMN, which is, uh, you know, responsible for taking your motor neurons and traveling through your nervous system so that you can move your muscles. Um, and there are two genes that are responsible for creating uh, those motor neurons, that protein, uh, that's SMN1 and SMN2. Uh, and in Abram's case, uh, he's missing SMN1, which is responsible for the creation of 90% of your motor neurons. Uh, and the other gene produces uh, about 10%. Uh, and so with SMA, either the SMN1 is uh, mutated or missing completely, as it is in Abram's case. And that's what causes the disease. Wow. So, so take us back to Abrams, you know, 16 months old. I mean, how did you guys even find out about the diagnosis or? Sure. So it actually started prior to 16 months, um, right around January. So Abram was about a year old. Um, We started and at that point, everything was normal. We had no reason to believe that anything was going on that was different. Uh, you know, he physicians thought he was progressing great. He was meeting all of his milestones. He was able to pull up and stand, um, you know, the little toy where you can push it and they kind of hold on to it and walk around. He was able to do all that. Um, and right around a year old, we started to notice that he wasn't standing, pulling to stand as much. Uh, the thing that I noticed more than anything was we would put him on the changing table and you put his pants on, he would, you know, straighten his legs and stand up for you. He just wasn't doing that. And I think uh, right around January, we had a, a appointment not related to this. And we just kind of casually asked our doctor because we thought, you know, some kids just do what they want to do. They're, you know, strong-willed and you don't want to stand. He went, don't want to do it. And I think based on that appointment, we just casually said something to the doctor and she noticed it. And um, that kind of started the, I think it was around two months of tests and um, everything else. Yeah, I would just say, um, as Sam was saying, like milestones were totally normal. Um, I mean, he was, he was cruising around things at nine months old. We thought for sure we'd have a walker by 12 months. And so I think that was kind of something that triggered, but being a first child, you don't really know how things are supposed to go or, you know, and we talked to friends that had kids and they're like, well, some kids like regress for a couple months and then they just take off. And so you have these things in your head and you're like, you don't want to be that like, overly anxious parent of the first child who's really worried about everything. Um, I would say though, we have a phenomenal pediatrician who was like, yep, I don't love that. Let's start, let's start talking about this and getting testing and sending you to specialists and things like that. So I would say the fact that she recognized it and recognized the concern and got us going quickly was really um, helpful as far as his progress today, because we were able to get things rolling really quickly. Wow. So, so after that two months of, of testing, the diagnosis was official. I mean, what, what was that like? I mean, like you said, being a first time parent, scary enough with everything going on. I would say, so we started physical therapy and seeing pediatric orthopedists and neurologists and all this stuff in February on May 8th, he was diagnosed. And so, um, back in April, early April, he had been diagnosed uh, with an autoimmune there. That's what they thought it was. Cause we had done about a week's worth of IVIG treatment and he was starting to show, um, 
they, they were tickling his feet and before his feet wouldn't move. And then after a week's worth of treatment, he, they were starting to see some reflexes and things there. And so, um, at that time we were trying to have more children and decided, Oh, this is, they said about six months worth of IVIG and it should be corrected and we'll be fine. We don't know what's caused it, but we'll keep moving. They did continue testing because they wanted to see if they could figure out a cause for it. Um, but it was on May 8th. Um, I found out a week just prior that I was pregnant with Bennett. And then on May 8th, we were up, um, at UVA children's hospital to get another round of IVIG treatment when a whole team of doctors, I think there were six or seven total, came into the playroom. We were just waiting for the treatment to start in a couple hours. Um, and so I got Sam on speakerphone. You know, we're the type of parents that we both work full time. So it was, well, it's just IVIG treatment. Like one of us can take him this month. Another one will take him the next month. You know, there's no need for both of us to travel together to do this. And so um, got Sam on the phone. They told us what it was. Um, it gave us a lot of details. And I think at that point it was, what are the chances that another child would be affected by this, which is, um, a 25% chance or a one in four chance that two carriers, which Sam and I are, we found out after the fact, um, could be affected. And so, um, once I went through some initial questions and kind of the shock of it, um, you know, Sam and I talked and I just said, I, I need you up here. It's about a two hour drive. So, um, his mom actually rode with him so that he could come up and we could speak with the uh, pediatric neurologist together when she came that afternoon. And so I think, you know, for any parent that gets diagnosed with this or, um, has to deal with this, the news that they tell you is so unknown and it's so scary right away. I would just say, the day we got it, there was one treatment. Today, there's two treatments and a gene therapy. Um, so the, the prognosis is so different than it was even two years ago when Abram got diagnosed. And so, you know, it's really scary. And all of the hopes and dreams and things that you think your child's going to do immediately go out the window. And so you have this, I'm going to try not to get upset as we talk about it. Um, all of the things that you hoped for your child, because as a parent, when you have a child, you want them to have everything better than you ever had, no matter how great you had it. You know, you want to take mm -hmm. everything from them. You want to, you want to do that. And so, um, it's, it's really hard to grieve the process of a new and different life for your child and not the one that you had hoped for them. Um, so I think it's, I mean, even two years later, you can see, I, it's still a very emotional thing to go through. Um, and it's, people don't talk enough about that, about, all of these expectations you have for children when they're born and then to have that immediately just wrecked is just so emotionally difficult um, and it's emotionally draining. So sorry, Sam, I'll, I've been blabbering. Go ahead and share <laughs> what your perspective was on that too. So uh, yeah, first off the two months where you don't know what's going on, but your child is getting weaker. It's just flat out scary. Um, you know, you kind of get to this point where you're like, I don't, I don't care how bad it is. I just want to know. And so, you know, it was just kind of weak. Every week we'd have some new tests and they say, this is what we're testing for because it really looks like this. And you would start to go down this rabbit hole and internet as great as it is, you would go search for things and see worst case scenarios. And, you know, I think the people, some of our physical therapists, the way they would respond, they were seeing things that really made them nervous. Like Abram was, kind of going in and out as far as ability. And it was so quick that they were really 
um, pushing us to get tested first, getting MRIs, et cetera. So not knowing is worse than knowing sometimes. Um, and then we thought we knew, you know, we were at UVA children's hospital for a week. Um, we went, uh, they basically said, we can't fit you until August. And they said, but if you come to the emergency room and go that way, then you can kind of go around the system and we can go ahead and admit you and, and do that. So one evening, Sunday evening, I think we went and by Friday, we had this first round of IVI treatment, but we were there for about five, six days with this treatment. We thought we had a diagnosis, which was phenomenal. It was treatable. We knew we wanted to proceed with having another child and we thought he was getting better. So um, when we went back up on that day that they told us it was SMA, it was just denial and anger uh, because, hey, we thought this was we thought he had a curable disease and now you're telling us that's not it. And our neurologist is awesome. She's, she's great. We love her. She calls us after hours. We have her cell phone number. She's phenomenal. But at the time she was very happy go lucky. And she was like, this new treatment is phenomenal. It's so great. It is, it is. But at the time when you're hearing that your child probably won't ever walk again. um, And they're talking about phenomenal treatment. It's really hard to swallow and take that and, think that it's a a home run like she described it it is um you know the more that we learned about sma and and became involved in the community this is saving lives so in the beginning a lot of denial and we were upset but there's some closure to having a diagnosis definitive diagnosis that allowed us to move forward and go on with our lives like we couldn't before yeah, I mean that that's such heavy news and I'm sure it's so hard for parents not just receiving the news about SMA in general but like any diagnosis that where you're going to have to reset your expectations. Um looking back, do you guys have any advice for families that may be going through this like right now about how to reset those expectations or how to take a step back and look at the whole situation? So I think I'll talk about one. I think just people that have a recent SMA diagnosis and then there's the special needs part of it. So SMA for anybody that has SMA recently diagnosed time is muscle. And it's what we heard from day one. So it, you know, you might want to get a second opinion. That's fine. You want to want to get more information, but as quickly as you can start treatment, the more likely you're going to have better success down the road especially the younger, the patient. Um, so we were very lucky to, our insurance went through quickly. And I think within two weeks of diagnosis, Abram was getting his first round of treatment. And I think because we were so quick, um, it was just really beneficial. And I think just one of the things that we spent doing those two weeks, um, we you know learned we got involved at least in the community, like Cure SMA is a it's the national organization for SMA, and we joined that organization pretty quick. They sent us a, a care package within a week, I think, that had um, games and and kind of things for wheelchairs and just really inclusive community. Um, so we tried to learn as much as we could in that week, and then I think this is kind of probably going to sound morbid, but I think it was really important for us to laugh. Um, and one of the, we, we've told a couple of people this joke and I'm sorry, Jackie, if, if you don't want people to know this, but the day after his diagnosis, we were both working from home. And 
I think we were just trying to find something positive in the situation. And we came down, Jackie came down to where I was working and said, I thought of something positive. I was like, me too. And we both, the one thing that we thought was positive is when we went to Disney world, maybe we could go through the lines faster or something like that. And we laughed. And it was like the first time we had laughed about anything. And I think it's just important to understand that you'll come out from under this, whatever it is. And it's important to kind of still find humor and things. And I think that kind of, we talked about that moment of just, it was important to us to laugh again. Yeah. I, um, it's so time is muscle is, is so key. I would say, you know, we were talking about at 12 months, you know, at his one year, he was walking behind things as he was like pushing them. By the time he was diagnosed in May, he was dragging his legs when he was crawling. So it is a disease that moves very quickly or can move very quickly in children. And so, um, we had already had an appointment set up to go to Boston and see a specialist at Boston children's. Um, and you do blood work and they tell you what it is. That's what it is. I mean, there's really no denying that at that point. Um, but we decided to keep the appointment because we didn't know a lot about it. We didn't know enough about the doctors at UVA yet. So, um, when we met with the doctor and he told, you know, we explained the plan to him, he said, I wouldn't do be, I wouldn't be doing anything different. And I think that gave us a lot of confidence in the doctors that we were going to be seeing and working with over these years. Um, and like Sam said, she is, she is a godsend. I mean, she is just, she's on top of things. She knows the research, you know, I can email and say, Hey, I've, I've learned about this. What do you think? And she'll look it up if she hasn't heard of it. And we'll have, com- I mean, she'll call us and we'll have full conversations about trials and different things that are happening. And I share videos with the teams and they post pictures and, you know, it's, they've really become a part of our family. And so I would say, find a good community. Um, the company that produces the medication that he's on um, has a family access manager. And so they have created events in local areas so that you can get to know other families and things like that. And um, I think it's really important. There's a lot of Facebook groups for different types, for just SMA in general, a lot of places where you can ask questions. Um, but, you know, find good doctors that believe in the concerns that you have and understand the disease you know, sometimes that means moving. Um, but I think that's critical is that you have a team that really understands it and knows how to work it. Because like Sam said, we didn't even have to call our insurance company. They took care of everything. And within two weeks of diagnosis, our child was, was receiving this really life-saving, life-extending treatment where he's progressing in a phenomenal way now. So, um, you want to sit back, you want to grieve, you want to be sad, but you also have to move very quickly. So, so I would say do that and then try to package your grief for later because, you know, you have to go through that process as well. But another thing that I would advise parents on is, um, again, it's that vision of what you have for your child and what you think. And so um, Abram received his first adaptive equipment of leg braces in a wheelchair on 18 months. So again, like two months after he's diagnosed, we've got a kid in full leg braces and a wheelchair. And I think I hadn't shared with anybody how sad I was about the wheelchair. Cause to me, it felt like we were giving up on him. And we went to this dinner that was organized by the, the pharmaceutical company. And we met the speaker who was from West Virginia and her daughter has it. And she looked at me and I, again, I hadn't told anybody, I hadn't even told Sam. And she said, don't be sad about a wheelchair. And it was like, 
whoa, she was like, it's so much freedom for these kids. And so I think for parents, don't be afraid of the equipment that you have to get and, and taking your kid out in public in a wheelchair. I mean, we, first time we went to target, people just looked at us or, or, you know, averted their eyes as we walked by and stuff or rolled by. And, you know, the kids at daycare will ask questions. Um, it's okay. Like, I think that was part of why we wanted to do this was just to normalize that the kids have different abilities. And this is an, this is a disease that affects them only physically, not cognitively. And so Abram is incredibly bright and talks probably more than we wish he would some days. And, you know, and he's so smart that I think he's got such a bright future ahead of him. And so I think sometimes you only see the wheels or you only think about what that's going to mean for him. And, and it's, it's freedom for those kids. It's not, it's not something that you're giving up on them for. It gives them a whole new outlook and perspective on the world. We moved homes. Some people choose not to, but we had um, a home with three or four sets of stairs and that just wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be viable for us. Um, and so we moved to a ranch style home where he could have a lot of freedom. And so we've adapted and adjusted our family life and what we thought we were going to have and do. And I think for us, it's, we've really turned a corner on trying to be really positive about this. Not that doesn't mean that we don't have sad moments, but, um, he's a great kid and, you know, we have a great group of people surrounding us to help us through a lot of it. Amazing. How is life Fabrum today? Chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) Fox nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So I would say, you know, the coronavirus has thrown everybody for a loop, but Abram is thriving uh, during this time. So before, you know, before we were all quarantined, um, Abram was, you know, he had physical therapy once a week with the physical therapist. And then we were putting them in leg braces, you know, trying for daily, but we didn't always get it. Um, and even when we were putting him in his leg braces, it was, you know, we would stand, have him stand, maybe eat a meal or, or um, watch TV or something like while we try to get dinner ready. It's just, it's really hard to do those things. So during the, um, you know, since March, my parents, my mom is a former educator. My dad's a former educator. They take Abram four days a week and do heavy physical therapy with them every single day. So when we started, <clears throat> um, during the quarantine, he was in his braces, both braces were locked and he had a walker. Um, now he has two arm crutches. And just last week we got word from a physical therapist that she wants us to have him unlock his braces. So his knees can bend and he's successful. He can do it. So as far as his physical ability, he's doing great. And, um, walking around with his crutches, you know, for us in our home life, when he's doing physical therapy, we have him in his crutches, but normally he's crawling around. Sometimes he pops into his wheelchair. He can get in and out by himself, and sometimes he'll just scoot in. Uh, so, you know, as far as we go, uh, that's just kind of our normal life. Amazing. And I know when we talked before, you guys said that part of his therapy is horseback riding to improve his core strength, and I thought that was so cool. It's it's really fun to see what they do with the kids because you think – Again, you know, we started physical therapy. He was about 14 months when we started it after we were starting to explore what was happening. And the patience and motivation that these physical therapists and these doctors get these kids, they get them to work and they don't even realize they're working. So I think that's been really interesting to see just how they get him to do things that 
you wouldn't expect a small child to do or have the patience for or the attention span for. So it's been really fun to watch him um, kind of grow and learn. And now, now he likes it, you know, we'll say, do you want to take your braces off? And he'll be like, no, I'll keep them on. Um, so it's just, it's been kind of fun. I mean, he's been doing, like Sam said, just amazingly. So. That's so great. Um, I'd like to go back to the support network and resources for a second. You guys obviously talked about the importance of, of being able to lean on folks that understand what you're going through. Um, and you're, you're very big in the SMA uh, fundraising walk, right? You guys raise a lot of money for SMA research every year. Do you guys want to give a, a, a pitch about that and tell people how they can donate if they'd like to? Yeah. Sam, you going to take it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So the national organization is called Cure SMA. And each state has its own chapter of that. Um, and so uh, I think each state's a little bit different on what they put up, but I think every chapter does a, a walk and roll in the summer, late summer, fall months. Um, so this November, we're doing a virtual walk and roll. Typically we do an in-person walk and roll in uh, October. Um, so if you ever see a walk and roll for QSMA, it's a great way to donate. This year it's all virtual. So um, if maybe you couldn't travel to the walk before, this is a great way to be involved. You can walk near your house uh, and get involved. Um, so Cure SMA is definitely the organization that um, we would recommend that anybody donate to. Um, they had a hand in the therapy that Abram is using right now, Spinraza. They were putting money into that uh, during the early stages, the gene therapy. Um, and then also, as we mentioned, uh, any new families that are um, SMA families, they send boxes, care packages to. Uh, when COVID started, they sent everybody a, a care package with hand sanitizer, wipes, and uh, things like that to get through, and then sent everybody a gift card uh, just to make things easier. So they're a great organization, not only with information, but also they're involved in all these treatments and uh, curing the disease. Um, if you want to donate specifically to our team, our team's called the A-Team with the Virginia chapter of the Walk and Roll. So uh, our walk is coming up in November. So please, if you are able, uh, donate to one of these great teams. Yeah, and I, you know, with QRSMA, they also do an annual conference, um, either East Coast or West Coast. This year, they had to do it virtually because of everything happening. But um, this was going to be the year we, we were talking about going to. So we were excited, but um, I think from everything I've heard, it's thousands of families that get together and share information about research and uh, adaptive, adaptable equipment and things like that. So I think it's a great way to network too. Um, so yeah, I mean, CureSMA has put millions into research and helping find a cure for this disease. And so I think that's probably the number one for us. Um, they'll even help with things like if you need a wagon to help transport your child to doctor's appointments and things like that too. They, you know, you can sign up for things like that. So. Great. Great. And I'll make sure that I, I link to, to all of these organizations uh, in the notes. So that that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're at a point where we can wrap up. Thank you guys so much for your time today and coming on and telling your story. I think a lot of people are going to benefit um, if, if anyone has questions or they want to discuss further, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? So by email is the best way. Um, okay. and I think you can link to it, but my email is S lackey, S L, uh, S L A C K E Y 
125 at gmail.com. Yeah. And email. Yeah, of course, is always better. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, we're happy to take messages that way too, but uh, mine is Jackie.hitjh. So J-A-C-K-I-E period H-I-T-T-G-H at gmail.com. Um, but please do reach out. You know, we're, we're two years into it. Um, we're no, by no means perfect with our advice or what, what we know or what you're going through. There are four different types of the disease. Our son is a type two. Um, and so please do reach out if you need anything or have questions. Uh, we're happy to, we're happy to have a conversation. Perfect. Thanks again for your time, guys. Thank you. Thank you.